Hey everyone, welcome to Beacon Broadcasting. It is Devin Roberts back again with Jordan Crippen. Say hi, Jordan. Hello, how are you guys all today? Uh, so we are going to get right into the news today. It's been a great week. We're happy to be back and talking to you guys. We're recording on mobile device today instead of our normal mic. So if there's a little worse quality of audio, we're sorry. Try to make sure we speak up so that that doesn't cause too much of a problem. But to get into the news, we were just talking about uh, frozen iguanas, actually, which if you're not from Florida, you probably don't understand. What was the story, Jordan? So uh, right now is trending on Twitter and a few other stuff. Uh, the iguanas in Florida right now are all falling from trees because they're so cold that they cannot actually move because they're cold-blooded creatures and they need the heat to be able to move at all. And uh, yeah, the cold here, uh, we've actually reached up here in Northern Florida, we've had freeze uh, freeze warnings, which means that it's been getting under 30 degrees at night, which is pretty ridiculous and really bad for our citrus trees that we have here. Not only that, I've never actually seen an iguana in Florida, and I've lived here for 23 years, so no iguanas ever. Not one, not like one in my state. Lizards, lots of lizards, lots of itty bitty little geckos and lizards, but never an iguana. So do they just hide at the top of trees or something? No, they live in southern Florida, right by Miami, and in ah, the Keys. I did know they lived in the Keys. Yeah, last winter, my husband and I went to the Keys, and uh, the iguanas were falling out of the trees, just like they were talking about. Oh, you're the serious? News. You like saw it? Yeah, we oh, saw it crazy. happening last winter and it was also trending last winter. So it just like, you know, every single year it has been um, getting a lot. I think it was, it's been just a little bit colder uh, as of recently. Every single winter seems to be much colder in Florida than the previous one. Uh, and that kind of wraps up into our first topic. Uh, our topics here today are probably going to be Greta Thunberg uh, and everything that she's doing right now and then uh, Clinton going after Bernie Sanders, the coronavirus, and the White House adding more countries to the travel ban, uh, possibly. And then the impeachment trials beginning uh, will be our last topic for today. I actually don't know too terribly much about what Greta Thunberg said. I didn't see. I saw that she made a comment on the Trump impeachment scandal, but I hadn't actually seen her comments. So what did you see on that? So uh, I just saw that she was, uh, she was actually in Switzerland over the past week. She was uh, part of a panel and the combined age of all four panelists was 64. Uh, so it has Wait, been what? really yes. So it was a very 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 young panel uh, Super super young um, Like all under 25 no doubt about it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That means they're all younger than me almost Yeah, so That's scary. so uh, that kind of they and they were all basically telling everybody that nothing has really been been done for climate change, which uh, kind of ties into the whole iguana thing because it's been getting so cold here in Florida that they've been falling out of trees in Miami, uh, which means that it's just been super cold here for the past few years. Every single winter seems like it's getting colder. It's the same thing in uh, kind of like northern uh, states as well. A lot of the times, um, like with, with climate change, especially how we have it right now, it's been getting cold, like winters have been getting colder and the summers have been getting hotter. So we've been having both extremes and then we've also been having a lot more severe weather uh, as a, like a 
as a what what do you call it? The as a mawada. Well, <laughs> the uh, as a. We've had bigger fluctuations and yeah. weather patterns. Is that what you're trying to get at? Yeah, uh, but that's that's due to the uh, the climate change. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, so due to the climate change, uh, the what Greta was saying at the panel was that climate change has actually been getting worse. Nothing has been done to stop it. Uh, even after her big speech that she's had last year. Um, and that CO2 levels have been, uh, haven't, haven't been reduced and that they've actually been rising. So. Which she's accurate about in all those cases. Yeah, she is up accurate to that about point, everything. She's, yeah, yes. up to that point she, she's factual in what she's saying. I think so, we can say. Uh, personally, my thoughts on climate change is that uh, creating all these new cars that are supposed to be uh, climate friendly actually creates more CO2 than actually going out and buying a used car. Are you discussing and, like the electrical drilling yeah. that's required? That's a big argument right yeah. now. You should expound on that if you have the basis for it. I have a little bit, but... Yeah, so uh, actually creating all of these cars, it creates uh, more CO2 in uh, both getting the materials for the car and manufacturing the car itself. It creates more CO2 than you would ever get from just having a normal, uh, just buying a used car. So uh, you have that issue uh, going on with people ditching their old used cars for, for new environmentally friendly ones, actually hurting the environment. Uh, same thing with a lot of these farmers in um, going, uh, a lot of these farmers in, I believe the Amazon, they are, they're farming, uh, specific, uh, soy materials or so like soy plants, uh, that are going actually to feed, uh, to, to feed, I believe cows that we are growing for food. So, uh, at this point, meat eaters are kind of the number one reason for uh, fires being set in the Amazon uh, from a consumer and um, a consumer and manufacturer's like wait, wait, wait. business. Rewind with me for a sec, rewind with me for a sec to make sure I understand that correctly. So we went from, I understand that cars when that, that are electrically powered require a amount of the, to get the materials to make the car creates a significantly larger carbon footprint than just owning a gas guzzling car itself. Yes. Where did we move to the Amazon? I missed Sorry. the transition. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the, I'm just, I'm making sure I got the point. Uh, the reason for that, that I brought that up was um, another reason for uh, for a lot of the big climate change stuff. Like, I, I was just saying that a lot of people think that they're doing uh, more for different, uh, like different social justice stuff that they, that oh, they're against. Oh, you're using another example. Yeah, I was using another example of how some people think that they can possibly be causing something from something that they consume um, when, when the exact opposite is also true. Uh, another thing is with specifically with like plastic, uh, plastics actually trap CO2. So uh, if you wanted to actually 
like help the environment with CO2 levels, you'd want to consume more plastics, but lately we have been replacing more plastics with paper. And creating that paper actually uh, it uses CO2 to make those paper straws as well. That does make sense and I do agree with that, but you could argue that the reason we are getting rid of plastic is because of the negative impact on our oceans and other things. Currently, we, yes. We have to have a, we have to have have a medium to... that's not paper that has a CO2 emission that's worse or plastic that has an, uh, that's a Save Our Turtles issue. Yes. Well, so there, Save Our Turtles. There are multiple different uh, levels to when it comes to climate change and I don't think that there that people like four very very young people up on stage uh, talking about the climate uh, as like as if we're not trying to do anything you you try to do one thing and then it creates a whole nother issue and a whole different evil so uh, no matter what we do, I think that the climate is just going to change. My personal belief is that our climate is consistently changing. Uh, New York City, uh, for instance, has been uh, in the past. It's been a mountain. It's been a. It, it's been a reef. It's been uh, a marshland. It's been a swamp area. Uh, it's been a desert, and right now it's bedrock. And so it has been through literally every single, oh, it's also been a glacier at one point. That's a huge thing. Obviously, but yeah, <laughs> Ice so, Age. So it's also been a glacier at, once, at one point as well, which completely leveled it to bedrock. And uh, so, so our, that just kind of goes into how our environment is consistently changing. And uh, even if the oceans do rise a little bit, that's kind of how the earth works. Uh, the oceans rise and then they uh, and then they fall just as much as the it's kind of like the earth breathing in its own cycles. Its right, own we have cycles, cycles exactly, yeah. and that's and that's the most consistent thing. We know we have a carbon footprint. We know we have negative effects on the environment. I think most Republicans don't even argue otherwise. We just don't believe that we're in a doomsday path, and that Al Gore mm -hmm. and anyone else who's preached climate change over the last fifty years has always had a date and a number of years till it would happen, and it's never happened. And they've always preached doom, and they've always said it's because something's changing, and they always said the oceans are gonna rise, and the sun was gonna fall, and there were gonna be tornadoes, and none of it has happened. We're, we've stayed, for the most part, consistently safe, um, and consistently climate livable, I guess it would be called. So our footprint hasn't been enough to affect it, at least that we can read, and scientists in the past that have been pointing the finger at climate change have often been wrong and unable to actually give us good, unarguable factual evidence about the length of time that our carbon footprint, or how quickly our carbon footprint will shorten the length that the world will last without us, if that. Okay. Did I fully get that? Yeah, I yeah. think so. <laughs> and then also we're, uh, a lot of people think that we are on our way to another um, another extinction that we're due for another extinction or we're due for another ice age a lot of people think that we are going to have another plague happen and with what's going on in china that might be the case um, <laughs> good trade so I love the transition so uh from yesterday uh yesterday we had nine people die from the coronavirus that's going on in china and uh, now that death toll has risen to 17. And uh, we have 440 confirmed cases. One is in the United States right now, fully quarantined. Um, a, a doctor called Mark Siegel 
has expressed concern about the level of honesty being given to us about the severity of the outbreak um, because China is telling us that there's only 440 people with this um, with this case uh, of coronavirus and that only 17 people have died from it but uh, if one person in America has had it who just happened to come from China uh, that leads us to be um, a little skeptical of about what China is telling us uh, because the probability is just off yeah the probability is so off with that if it's just a small little outbreak that they're having in China then how is it already in America that is kind of ridiculous uh, to even think about that that's very, very low chances that that is actually what is occurring here. It's a 400 and multi-billion chance. There's so, billions of Chinese citizens, 400 people with the disease, the chances of one coming to America is so slim that it believes us. Well, I believe we already, as a community and as a country, doubt China's census abilities, its ability to track its citizens and yeah. actually keep up with what's going on with them, mainly because their population is so large. Yeah, um, there are 1.38 billion people in China, and as a um, as as sort of a uh, comparison here, there's only 300 million in America. So, out of over a billion people, you're telling us that only 440 people have had the virus, and only 17 people have died. And how, like, for some reason, a person who got it is actually in America right now who was just recently traveling from China. That doesn't make any sense at all. I think that they're really downplaying this outbreak. So does Dr. Mark Segal and, um, or Mark Siegel, sorry. Um, and I, I just believe that uh, China is not being uh, straightforward with this. So uh, the one person who's in America who has it is in quarantine and their name has not been released yet. And after, and um, I just I just don't think that that death toll uh, would would happen. Uh, like I it's, don't think that he would be here with that small of a death toll. It's a statistic possibility, but a high probability. So very high. We don't we can't. We should, as a country, realize that China's very bad about tracking people, so it's very likely that the number of people contracting this deadly virus is higher than expected, and stay very careful this flu season to be washing our hands and being very careful of travel. That's what many of the other news organizations have been saying, is that make sure your travel plans involve a lot of hand sanitizer, make sure you're being careful at going out of the country, especially if you have an intent to visit China, or if you know anyone coming in from China, or, or even in airports, because so many people are traveling from that area, that if the virus outbreak is worse and believe or maybe more contagious than they initially thought like it's been in the last couple weeks it could affect you and it could affect people around you so be careful and stay careful this flu season what else do we have for topics right now okay. so we also have Clinton who uh, just came out that she was filming a I believe it was a documentary yeah she was on a documentary I yeah heard about that. so she was filming a documentary and that's where she's been for the last few years since her uh, terrible defeat by Trump <laughs> um, so Clinton came out saying nobody likes him and she called him out for being a member of the house called for who six out? she called she called Bernie Sanders out <laughs> For being a member of the House for 16 years and a member of the Senate for 14 years, he has he has the longest serving independent member of con of Congress in American history. Yet hasn't really put his name on any very major bills. So Hillary said 
He was in Congress for years, nobody wants to work with him, and he got nothing done. And everybody who has uh, fallen for his like good-heartedness shtick, yeah, uh, she feels bad for them for uh, for supporting somebody who she believes isn't very honest about who he is. Um, so Bernie being against uh, Hillary at this point points to his inevitable success because uh, both Obama and Trump were also against Hillary and Hillary did not like either of them. So uh, yeah, so him being against Hillary at this point leads to him uh, inevitably probably being the nominee. Uh, and then also New York Times is questioning uh helping him out but I believe right now they are endorsing uh, I believe two women for uh, for the nominee or do they did they also do Bernie no I think they're no I think there's still just two women I don't think the New York Times has specifically endorsed Bernie yet Bernie wind up responding to the Hillary Clinton comments saying that on a good day at least his wife likes him. He says on his best days, his wife likes him, so he's got one at least. And that was Bernie. Oh, again, I beat back on this podcast, but he's my favorite person running on the Democratic side, especially at this point. Now that Tulsi and Yang are out of the race, which we can say rest in peace to. We I, I enjoyed Tulsi and Yang's politics and what they brought to the um, Democratic Party, at least. But at this point, Bernie is the only human being still left in the running that I think is probably a decent person. And I believe that him shrugging off Hillary Clinton's comments and refusing to engage and battle with her, especially when she's not even running, like she's a very irrelevant politician at this point, was the best move for his career and shows a level of maturity that people are looking for in the White House. I think a lot of people in his base are tired of Trump jumping at every person who pokes the bear, responding to everything that people do. And Bernie Sanders kind of turning turning their cheek, taking the bigger stance against Hillary Clinton's comments, I think, showed his base that he's going to do that as president, that he's not going to be easily riled by the the jargon and the mudslinging that these other politicians put out against him. So kudos yeah. to you, Bernie Sanders, for and, that. And the media going against him, the Times Magazine not endorsing him and endorsing the two other women in the race instead, uh, also kind of lights a fire behind his supporters. Right. Um, and as we have learned for several times over, uh, the people should get the say in who the nomination should go to. Uh, they're already pissed off about the last nomination not going to him. Uh, this this year, I believe, uh, he will be getting the nomination because if they don't, then there will be a huge outcry from the Democratic Party. I believe he has a huge amount of people supporting him. And no matter what the media tries to push forward and propaganda, I don't think that they're gonna, that that's going to work. And talking about the media and propaganda, Elon Musk just um, just tweeted that he was going to create a site where the public can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication, calling, uh, calling them out. He's calling this, um, he's going to call this website Pravda, and he asked uh, everybody, he did a poll on his Twitter, he said, create a media credibility rating site that also flags propaganda botnets uh, and asked P- 
people, yes, this would be good, or no, media are awesome, and only 10% of people said, no, media are awesome. That's an incredible idea, yeah. rating the credibility of a news source, like, oh my gosh. And, no. then, and then, because people weren't voting for the media, he tweeted out, come on, media, you can do it. Get more people to vote for you. You're literally the media. And... Then he said, amazingly, the media is awesome vote is declining despite hundreds of articles attacking this very poll right now. And so so we already know that the media is not going to do good. They're, they're rapidly losing their, uh, their control of the American people. They're rapidly losing um, their, their, the power of their propaganda. I believe that they will not have any say in this next. I think something like that, like Elon Musk bringing out a, a website that could allow journalists to be rated individually, be held responsible for the lies that they tell with them stories would be, I mean, we definitely try to say that, we try to point out when we're saying something and we're not quite sure if what we're saying was looked up, that happens on the podcast, but there are enough articles out there that spit as if they're a perfect fact that read as perfect lies that I really do believe journalists being held accountable in some public forum like that would be most appropriate. They're almost a political body at this point, like yes. almost the, the medium between politicians and the people, and that's an important distinction that people need to make. And that might be a way to do it without having to privatize media as a whole or give it to the government or something else that crazy people have been spitting. Sounds like good, nice, clean capitalism fixing the problem. So oh, yeah. I like the idea as an idea. And the media right now uh, is also, they just came out with several articles, several left-wing uh, articles have come out uh, saying that the White House is considering adding more countries to the travel ban, but the way that they're wording these articles make it seem like Trump is actually already decided on this. Um, currently, right now, uh, the, the countries in question are Belarus. Uh, I'm probably going to get this next country very wrong, but... We'll work on it. Eritrea. Eritrea. Uh, Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. Myanmar. 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 <laughs> uh, Nigeria, Sudan, and Tanzania. Tanzania? Um, Tanzania. Okay. Tanzania. Tanzania. We'll work on it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, Tanzania. So, <laughs> queso salami. So, um, it says you. So, th this is uh, from a reporter asking Trump about the. Uh, he's, he's asking Trump about the vulgarities that the president has uh, used for. Are for Nigeria and other African countries, calling them uh, shithole countries, like using the vulgarity. Uh, he was meeting with Nigeria's leader, Mahamadou uh, Buhari, and that's, that's their president. Um, so he was meeting with him at the White House and he had a, um, a little press conference. Uh, said one of so this is what Trump said. He said, "You do have some countries that are in very bad shape and very tough places to live in, but we didn't discuss it because the president knows me and he knows where I'm coming from, and I appreciate that." Which kind of leads you to assume that this um, 
this Nigerian president understands why we would be putting that travel ban in place if we even do. Uh, it would be because they have a lot of radical Muslims there who are right now killing Christians. And we don't want them getting on a plane here and uh, and possibly having like like either getting uh, more people uh, either recruiting more people to be terrorists or committing a terrorist attack themselves once they're here in America. They just realize they're a risk as a country and can at least recognize that our tra the travel between countries is slight and that the good relations with the United States is probably worth more than them. Just to say, look, we yeah. understand. We're not going to pitch a fit like everyone else. We're, we'll take the travel ban for a little while. Hopefully yeah. you'll help us solve our problems a little bit and then we can lift that. And I appreciate that. I think Trump's a good negotiator. I think he's good at making people like him. I think he's good at speaking to world leaders on their level and I think he's good at making diplomatic alliances so I have no complaints with that I don't know exactly the terrorist um, actions of the country so I don't have a whole lot to speak on whether it should be on the travel ban or not but I do appreciate the fact that the resolution of the ban was that both parties both presidents were in agreement that it was best for both countries involved Exactly. And, um, and speaking of Trump, the impeachment trials have begun as of yesterday. Ooh, yeah. We had a marathon of uh, impeachment trial yesterday that ended, I believe, with SCOTUS, um, the, the senator, uh, what was it? The, so the SCOTUS uh, ended with him. Um, Wait, what's SCOTUS? What's that stand for? I, I, Supreme Court? It, yeah, it's Supreme the Supreme Court Justice. That's Roberts. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, Roberts. Yeah. Um so John yeah, Justice John Roberts. Uh he's under fire currently or not under fire, but yeah, he's under fire basically on Twitter uh for uh he basically uh, basically ended ended stuff in between both house managers and the president's council uh in equal terms to remember that they're addressing the world's greatest deliberative body and that they're that they shouldn't be uh using uh i guess attacks against each other and to just have conductive civil discourse uh because they were using uh un inappropriate language and just not speaking in a right member or a right manner for the setting that they were in so it's a mudslinging dog fight basically yeah, they had to really, uh, it's, it was called actually petty fogging, which means uh, worrying too much about details that are minor or not, impo are not important. And that's what Roberts noted. Uh, he said that in 1905 Senate impeachment trial of a judge, a senator objected when one of the house managers used the word petty fogging. The president or the presiding judge then agreed that the word ought to not have been used. Uh, I don't think that we need to aspire to that high standard, but I do think that those addressing the Senate should remember where they are, he said. So, uh, yeah, basically, that that happened, and he's kind of under fire for that yeah, front. I, I believe, agree. Yeah, I, I agree too, I agree but there's well. a lot of people on Twitter who are not agreeing with, uh, with him. They think that it wasn't... They, they don't think that it, it was necessary for him to say that. They, they, but I do they, think it was. I'm tired of watching the drama fest. I want yeah. to see them actually have a discussion. I, I know the leftists won't play it as this big 
extreme battle against Trump to remove him from office right up until election day. But they don't realize that setting a precedent in the land for a, a we don't want our politics to be dramatized. That, that not only slows them down and makes them ineffective, but gives people with much less intelligence than the average, the, uh, the ability to speak on politics and the ability to have an opinion about it. The good thing about politics being boring is those who don't have the attention span to it won't pay attention to it. Yeah. The, we want Trump to get a fair trial if he deserved to be removed from office and he truly did something illegal, then he should be removed from office. But we all know that's not going to happen. This is not going to vote him out of office. And dramatizing the process just makes everyone look silly. Yeah, and uh, they're just making it more complicated than it really needs to be. Basically, the, um, the, the House of Representatives just did a hurry up and um, yeah, they basically just did a, a rush, rush, hurry up and then wait. So they hurried up with the trial and then they waited to send them to uh, to the Senate. But they the whole hurry up thing, uh, that ended up actually backfiring because they didn't get to do a thorough enough investigation. So they want to continue the investigation into the, the Senate trial, which a lot of people are disagreeing with because it should have, the trial should have already been done and over with in the House of Representatives. There shouldn't be any more investigation, there shouldn't be any more evidence, any more witnesses. It should, uh, that should have all been taken care of, but as we all know, that did not happen. That did, that absolutely did not happen at all. Um, so the abuse, they're, they're accusing him of abuse of power, which is a made up, which is a made up article of impeachment. The Ukraine president himself said that he had felt no pressure of a quid pro quo, and there's no testimony tying Trump to a quid pro quo at all. And on top of that, there's no, there's a, the, the next uh, article of impeachment is Congress or is obstruction of Congress. That's also illegitimate, and he has executive authority. Uh, Congress is becoming power hungry and basically abusing power by saying that he obstructed Congress by just enacting his own presidential authority. So they're they're actually um, abusing their power uh, and and actually doing that rather like than Trump who didn't do that. So they're actually doing something that they're accusing Trump of doing. The bottom line is that the line isn't defined correctly enough where what the president's allowed to do to impede the House when the House is controlled by a political party that doesn't like the president. And yes. this a trial is going to set that precedent. And I think the precedent needs to be that the, the presiding body in the Senate and the House of Representatives expect to at least accept and work with the sitting president, assuming he's not doing anything um, innately and directly illegal and detrimental to the American people because they're all fucking criminals every single one of them all of them out there have done horrible horrible stuff and taken money from lobbyists and put their family in big important positions you had nepotism hires quid pro quo I'm sure all of it and to a certain degree I as a citizen feel I understand that some of that must be done to make the country run correctly sometimes. I don't pretend like I want to know every single thing my government does. But I believe pretending like something minor, like this quid pro quo that has been already denounced by so many, even if Trump had a minor intention of doing it, it's not something that needs to be reached for 
in an election year, for one, when they have the chance of winning this election over. What it shows me is that they're scared and that they believe Trump is going to win in 2020. And it also shouldn't be um, being looked at because it divides the American people and it divides the two parties more. And what they don't realize is how much the American populace is against further dividing part politics between the right and left. And I think the left is showing their true colors with this. I, I do too, and I think that it's already, uh, that no matter what the left is doing, uh, they're not going to change the, the Senate outlook here. They're, they're trying to get these senators to uh, let there be new evidence, they're trying to get these senators to look at a bunch of other stuff that absolutely does not have anything to do with what happened in the House of Representatives. They are, or the House of Representatives, they're not really... Uh, they're, they're trying to push them to impeach him and it's just not going to work. Uh, like they already know it, we already know it. Why bring all the, why drag this all out? Why make this a whole like three month thing? I don't think that it's necessary. It's absolutely not necessary, but I mean, we're gonna to have to see how it plays out. I'm sure in the next week or two, we'll be talking about how it ends. We know how the Senate's going to vote for the most part. Mitt Romney and other of his cronies voted for the impeachment of Trump that were in the House of Representatives and trade sides. I don't think we'll get as many in the Senate, but we will see. Glad we could get into the impeachment part of it, but I'm, I'm just tired of seeing this story at this point. So we are here today with our, uh, our article in chief. <laughs> Article in chief, our, our head journalist right head now. Journalist. We'll give her that. <laughs> um, Becca, and she's going to tell you a little bit about what she is doing with Beacon. We're very excited to have her here. Hi guys. Um, Miss Becca's been doing articles for us in Beacon's website, which we're releasing this upcoming week. I've talked about this for a little while with especially people over on Instagram. We wanted to be able to do a blog style post for you guys. Everyone loves the podcast and everyone loves the shorts on Instagram. Um, but we really wanted to be able to bring you a different medium. We've done video, we've done audio, and we really wanted to bring you a written medium. Becca is an aspiring journalist and we're really happy to have her on the team. Um, you want to tell them about what you're writing for us, Becca? Yeah, so I'm basically doing a deep dive feature article on the Middle East uh, triggered by everything that just went on between Iran and the U.S. presidency and everything like that. So. Right. No, it's going to be, I'm excited to dive into that. The, we, the Middle Eastern crisis has been something that we touched on here in the podcast for a while, but we really haven't got a chance to explain to all our listeners just how big of it most people don't have like a good understanding or grasp on things that go on over in there why our role in the middle east is so vital and so precarious and i think your article really touches into that from what i've seen in the discussions we've had about it yes there's lots of nooks and crannies about the entire situation that most people aren't up to date on so i'm excited to let that shine in the light and see what happens uh, what in your article, if you had to give us one, I know I'm putting you on the spot with the question, but if we had to give one thing that you learned that was interesting in the article or that maybe you didn't know when you started doing the research and the real, I know we sent you on a whole dive of information for this, but like what was one thing that you would want people to know 
about the Middle East and about the conflict there, then maybe they don't understand it as you think the American public as a whole wouldn't really know about. Any idea? Hi, did I put you on the spot too much? No, just give me a second. Um, there's just so much. There is so much. There's just a lot. You're gonna leave it for the article. Well, one definite thing that um, most people should know about more is that um, the radical Islamists are uh, definitely a different sect than most of the Islamists in the world. So there's Sunni Islam and there's Shia Islam. And the most of the terrorist Islamists are Shia and most of the peaceful are Sunni. So that's a fair one. I would definitely say that was a, I, I didn't even think that was what you were going to say and I think that's actually a pretty good one. That's a, that's a very fact that I would say. The fact I'm going to pull one out of my butt just because, you know, <laughs> I, we, I, did, I was able to sit with Becca on some of the research for this. Um, my favorite fact that I really like got a better understanding of in some of the research was that the main place that we defend in the Middle East um, that keeps the area peaceful is the border between Iran and Iraq. Our embassy there and the fact it sits there and keeps helps keep Iran from pushing deeper into Iraq and getting more control over the Middle East helps keep tensions there lower and that embassy being attacked in the um by Kaiser Salami, um Qasem Salamini in the earlier part of the year was important and specifically um, integral for that reason. So that was my favorite fact I learned about it. We really did a deep dive into this subject over on the website, so that's going to be if you're really looking for some extra content trying to understand the subject on a deeper level in a way that maybe you don't get to understand it listening to the podcast or watching some of the videos online. Um, hopefully Miss Becca can show you what you need to see. So. Do you have anything else you'd like to give us about your article? Anything else you'd like to say, Miss Becca, before we send you off the podcast? Nope, I'm super excited to finish it up and give it its final touches and finally have it ready for the website launch. So Fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad to hear it. Nope, we're glad to have you on the team. Thank both of you for coming on the podcast so much. I've had a good time talking to you both. I'm glad we were able to talk to all of you today. If you haven't checked us out, you know, I'm not even going to plug our social media today. Beaconenterprise.net is our new website. If it's not up today, it will be up within the next two or three. Go check it out. You'll be able to find a lot about our new products there, our coming up Kickstarters, all of our social medias, our podcasts, our new blog, and everything else Beacon is doing. For now, this is Jordan, Becca, and Devin, and we are out. Thank you guys for joining us. Peace.